welcome. You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His Kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurry.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast. Good evening. This is David Murray. This is Yelp Your House. I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers, and tonight I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to uh, to have this guest and a dear brother in the Lord, Charles Graves, is going to be speaking this evening on the gateway to a transformed life, that being a renewed mind. And for those of you that have been tuning in the last couple of years, you know that uh, I'm very big on the renewed mind and our walk and everything that we process in the kingdom. Uh, with ourselves and with those around us, with the body of Christ and the lost, it all is going to be filtered through uh, our perception of the kingdom, our perception of ourselves, our perception of those around us, and that comes through the gateway of our mind. So uh, Charles is is someone that I ran into that I've I've gotten to know and I'm still getting to know, but I've gotten to know a lot about him and his passion and zeal for the Lord through his uh, WordPress his blog, and that's the official chuck.wordpress.com, and that is there's actually a hyperlink actually on Blog Talk Radio on this week's broadcast. I'll mention that again toward the end. But, Dorothy, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I am so, so very excited to have Charles bring forth the message that's on his spirit tonight. And, Charles, you with us? Yes, sir. Doing good. Okay, and I can hear you fine. Okay, we wanted to make okay. sure that uh, Charles had, had good volume there. So, uh, Charles, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I know you're, you're, you're I confirmed just before we get on the air that you're from Texas. Why don't you share a little bit of the, the passion the Lord's placed upon your heart and just uh, have our audience hear a little bit about you for those that aren't familiar with your blog. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Charles Graves. I'm 18 years old. Um, I have a passion for Christ. I want to see his kingdom come. I want to see his will done here in this earth, and I believe that he's calling each of us to partner with him and to carry out his dreams here in this earth. I think God has a a great calling for every one of us. I've talked to multiple people over the past years, and um, I tell them, you know, God has a great plan for you. He has a plan for everyone, but we have to be in the position to see his plans unfold in our life, and, you know, I want to be in that position, and I believe that that position is complete surrender. So, you know, God really started stirring my heart when I turned 13 years old, He's told me there's some things in your life you need to give up, some idols that are holding you back from a real authentic relationship with me. So I decided I'll remove them, and I did. And almost immediately after that, he started opening up opportunities for me to to speak, to preach, and just started opening my eyes more to his scripture and showing me the wonder of a close relationship with him and how beautiful that is, that is better than anything I could find in this world. Amen, Charles. That's uh... I can hear the passion, and I can hear not just passion, um, because there's more to a Christian life than zeal. Uh, there's a sense of intimacy. There's there's a sense of, of 
a love and, and to the degree that we grasp and are, have the courage to understand how much we're loved is the degree that the love starts to transform us. And I just, I always see that in your writings. And uh, when I tune into you on YouTube and, and the social media, I, I see that as well. And so I'm just really blessed. And for those of you that, that caught what Charles was saying earlier on, him being 18 years old, I've been following Charles the last couple of years and um, doing my best to encourage him. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why, and I think that, that the body of Christ, for those of you listening, will appreciate this. I have spoken on and off the last several years now, three or four or five years, publicly, stuff that the Lord has shared with me going on over 20 years ago. One of those things being that I would live to see a generation of people in the body of Christ that were going to be raised up that would carry the Father's heart and share the Father's heart and share how the body of Christ can enter into great intimacy and healing and rest and power. That's, that's the, the life that Jesus walked, and that is the life that we are meant to abide in, to abide in him and all the things that are expressed in Christ and through Christ. And Charles is one of those individuals. And uh, one of the things I asked the Lord back when I was in my early 20s, when the Lord first began speaking to me about this, I had no idea it would begin taking uh, me into my 40s before uh, I would start seeing some of these young men and women come mm-hmm. forth. And I have been honored and blessed to begin meeting some of them in the last few years. And so Paul admonished and encouraged and instructed Timothy not to let others in the body of Christ look down upon him for our youth. We are not called to be respecters of people. We are to hear and be ministered to one another as servants. And the goal of all of us is to be pointed to the throne room. And so I ask you guys to enjoy this time, to enjoy what Charles has to bring forth, what the Lord's laid upon his heart, and just let it minister. Let the Holy Spirit just minister to your hearts, minister to your minds, minister to truth, and that it points you not to one another, but it points you to the heart of our Savior and the heart of our Father. So having said that, Charles, why don't you go ahead and take it away and lead us into what you, you have for tonight about a renewed mind and, and gateway to transformed life. Yes, sir, absolutely. Where I want to start is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and it says this, And do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So one of the first things I notice is that this this transformation through the renewing of our mind is going to affect every area and aspect of my life that is going to completely change who I am. And another thing I notice is that if I'm not transformed, then I will be conformed. If I don't experience this transformation, then I'm going to adapt to the culture because the enemy will see my willingness to not give God everything and see that as an opportunity to be my everything. And he'll offer a substitute and the truth is there really is no substitute for the goodness of God there is no substitute for the presence of God and I think there are many people this day who are spending years and years searching for a non-existent substitute when there's only one way to the father and it's through this transformation that we experience Mm -hmm. that abundant life and that's what he wants for each of us and there's this transformation and the gateway to that transformation is through the renewing of our minds So I don't want to overemphasize the gateway, but I also don't want to overlook the transformation. So there's a, there's a balance between this. So this takes us all the way back, I believe to Romans chapter eight and Romans chapter seven. 
because I think the first aspect is before I can actually experience transformation of my life, I have to experience liberation from the law of sin and death. And that takes us to Romans chapter 8, verse 2. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So one of the first things I want to point out there is that when Paul's talking about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, he's not talking about a new law of God. Because Christ said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So it's important to note that there's going to be multiple times during this passage in Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8, that we hear the term the law of God. But it's never that he's speaking of the old covenant law apart from the law of Christ. So when he's saying, he's saying, Paul speaks of the old covenant law now fulfilled in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So it's something that we have to make that it's almost like it's an interchangeable term. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And before we can talk about this transformed life, I would like to first go into why is it that we need to be made free from this law of liberation from this? And there's a clear, and I think oftentimes people, and I I was one of them, I thought that the law of sin and death is the law of God, but there's a clear, um, clear distinguishing factor of it in the word of God that we can see. So we go to verse 21 of Romans chapter 7. Paul says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. All right, so this is, he states it right here. There's this law. And there's evil present inside of him, but he wants to do good. Deep down inside of him, he really wants to, he wants to honor God. He wants to please God. He wants to carry out the will of God. But he's saying, there's this evil present within me. And that's the thing about the law of sin and death, as we're going to read, inability because of the weakness of our flesh. And it's the truth that we all have a flesh, and it is all enslaved to the law of sin, as it says in Romans chapter 7, verse 25. All of us, we have a, we have a flesh. And that is subject to the law of sin. However, what the law of sin and death does is that it perpetually identifies the extent of our sinfulness, never empowering us or giving us the grace to overcome it. So verse 22, let's keep reading. So remember, he said, I sign then a law. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. So this is what he's saying. You know, I want to do good. The one who wills to do good. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Deep down inside, I want, I delight in the law of God. I want to do what's good. And that in itself shows that there's a distinguishment between the law that he's talking about and the law of God that he mentions in verse 22. And verse 23 solidifies that point forward even more. But I see another law. And he's talking about the law in verse 21. I find then another law. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. I mean, it's a good translation, the King James Version, but I think a more relevant translation for our day is making me a prisoner, NIV, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So that's what this law of sin and death is doing. And this is why we need to experience liberation from it, because it is warring against the law of our mind, and it is bringing us, before Christ, obviously, bringing us into captivity to the law of sin. All right, so what is the law of sin? All right, and what is it? How come it's bringing us into this this prison cell with this, this law of sin? Well, it takes us to verse 24, and we're going to let it unfold for itself, why we need to experience liberation from this. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? All right, let's keep reading. I thank God 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself, his mind, in Romans chapter 7, verse 23, he's talking about the law of God. He's saying, I see another law, the law of sin and death, in my members, warring against the law of my mind, which is the law of God, and bringing him into captivity to the law of sin, which is his flesh. So that is why we need to experience liberation from this. And that's why it's going to continually condemn us. We will live in a state of perpetual condemnation until we experience the liberation that comes from knowing Christ. Charles, let me ask you a question right there. Um, you hit on some, some uh, just wonderful topics. And Romans 6 through Romans 8 are some personal favorites of mine. So uh, right. I'm all fired up about this. But, uh, a, a couple of things that I just want to point out for the body of Christ is so often we, we turn to this verse, this portion of Scripture, and we condemn ourselves. Right. And it's one thing to have the accuser of the brethren, right, Charles, accuse us. It's another thing for us to condemn ourselves because we haven't identified with Christ, with who we are in Christ. Right. And, and one of the things that um, I want to encourage the listeners for the body of Christ is when Paul says that he has he wars against the, the, the war of his flesh, he says in his mind he desires to please God. Absolutely. And, and, and I know, Charles, you're going to talk about this more, but, but one thing that's so important, guys, is that we must understand Paul's mind identified with his spirit man. His right. spirit and his mind were in union. It was his flesh. It was the unregenerated part that, he, that, that, that Galatians say we died to, that Paul was saying attempts to war against his renewed mind and the spirit of God. And when we say... Well, look at Paul. Even Paul says, what wretched man I am. Look, even Paul struggled. Here's something that I want to encourage all you guys with. Please bear this in mind as Charles continues to teach us here and, 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 and uh, show us what it means to have a transformed thinking and mind. Jesus alone is our example. The Apostle right. Paul is not our example. Right? Jesus right. is our example. But if we are going to limit ourselves to Paul, right, which I don't recommend, but if we're to limit ourselves to Paul, until we have raised the dead, been raised from the dead, um, started the apostolic movements that Paul started in terms of fellowship, performed the miracles, shaken off snakes, poisonous snakes into the fire, uh, done the miraculous walks and acts that he has done, until we have walked into the realm of the glory that Paul accessed through intimacy with Christ, then we cannot say we've broken through the glass ceiling of Paul and we can identify. In, in other words, guys, we can't say, well, look at Paul, even he said he was wretched, until we are at least at the depth of his walk, which, again, he's not our standard, but we can't fall back upon an excuse and say, well, look, even Paul wasn't perfect. No, we're never going to be perfect. But, we have a long way to go before we can begin to even start to find excuses to limit ourselves. Paul understood union and the renewed mind, and he understood the depth of intimacy that was able to be enjoyed yeah. because of that. So I want right. to—I I, want to—I just want to inject there because I just felt there were some people in the audience that that just needed to be encouraged by that. And as Charles is right. speaking, please remember, Paul is identifying himself, his mind, the transformation that took place, and 
we can't say, well, even Paul warded this, and so I'm going to do this, because there's a lot more room of victory and conquering that we have to walk in. It starts with our minds, which Paul already had grasped, and, and that's what we're talking about tonight. So, Charles, sorry. Um, no, that's good. That's a really there, good but... point. That's, that's definitely the truth. And what I love about a relationship with God is that we're going from glory to glory. We're increasing Amen. in our relationship with him. So it doesn't mean it's like this microwave effect. It's a progressive relationship that every day I get to become more like my Savior, not because it's some forced religious obligation, but because it's the desire of my heart. It's something Amen. I want. I want to be next to my Father. I want to be in that relationship with him. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's better than anything we could find in this world. I know this is a little off topic, but I felt like, you know, speaking of glory to glory, when I was studying that the other day and thinking about how each day I want to become more like Christ. I felt like God said this, let today be the yesterday that inspires you tomorrow. In other words, let who I become today, I should be able to look back tomorrow and say to myself, who I became yesterday is now going to propel me to become someone today I never could be on my own. And I just felt Amen. like that was That's great. that he started speaking, you know, because it's glory to glory, progressive relationship goes hand in hand, I believe, with what you were saying. But Anyway, so going back to Scripture, the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So this is after he talks about the deliverance that comes through Christ Jesus. He says, I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. But now, what does he say? We get the resolution in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So as long as we are apart from Christ Jesus, we are under the law of sin and death. And every time we sin, we deserve death. That's the, that's the verdict. Apart from Christ, our sin is going to be deserving of death. And the law of sin and death, like we talked about, emphasizes the weakness of our flesh and our inability to do what God is calling us to do because of the weakness of our flesh. But Paul brings us to this point in the passage where he says, So now that I've been delivered and I've been set free from Christ, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So the fact that our flesh is a law, or the fact that our flesh is a slave to the law of sin does not end. All right? That's still the verdict. That's still the truth until we of our bodies, like David was talking about, talking about the transformed state of our bodies, and on the last day when our bodies are raised to life again. Until then, we're never going to experience the eradication of the flesh. Okay? So we're going to still be having that sinfulness but however, it's not going to dictate us now. It's not going to define who we are, all right, because we now have a mind that is renewed, which now results in the transformed life. So let's keep reading. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so now we are free from the condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus. We do not live. I like how the New King James Version reiterates the fact right after verse 1. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if we're in Christ Jesus, we are not going to continue to walk according to the flesh, but we are now going to walk according to the Spirit because it's going to become the desire of our heart. Now we are free from condemnation in Christ because, first off, we're not condemned to death. After we, you know, we're going to sin. We're all going to fall short. However, that is not our life's goal is to continue in sin and get a free ticket to heaven and live how we want to. But it's something that we absolutely abhor, not that God himself lives inside of us. All right, we're free from condemnation because... In Christ Jesus, we do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We are now set free from the extent of our sinfulness. In the weakness of our flesh, it is impossible to please God. 
However, in the life of his spirit, we are liberated from condemnation. Though our flesh is slave to sin, we are not anymore. We are not condemned because our flesh is slave to sin. Instead, we are empowered to overcome our sin. Our flesh is not an excuse to continue in sin. We are now robbed of every excuse to continue on our sin. As a life. So I got a question for you. How would you address um, brother or sister in the Lord that says, "Okay, I know I've been I've been given the gift of righteousness, which um, is what is what." grants me access to the throne of grace is which gives me salvation as I've been made the righteousness of Christ. And, and my heart's desire is not to sin, but I struggle with that. Right. And so because right. of that, they feel condemned. Um, right. You know, how would you address that? Because in this hour, I know there are many, many Christians that we've been taught to be so focused rather than on the goodness and love of God and his right. ability to transform us, we're, we're focused yes. on our shortcomings. How, how would you address that in light of this? Yeah, well, that's the truth. Sure. Exactly what you said, you know, sin in my life, what I need to do is not focus more on that sin, but focus more on God. Because as I develop a deeper love and relationship with God, that sin is going to become nothing. What the enemy wants us to do is when we have a, a shortcoming, to emphasize that for, that shortcoming and then, fall into condemnation because he wants us to focus on the extent of our sin, like the law of sin and death, not the empowerment that comes through the close relationship with God. The truth is I do not abstain from sin because I want to be necessarily a better person. Okay. Let, let me talk more about this. I abstain from sin because I absolutely do not want to lose the intimacy of a close relationship with Jesus Christ. That is my primary motivator. That is why I want to stay close to him. Because his presence and his nearness in my life is what propels me and what leads me away from sinfulness and into righteousness. So I would say to you, just have that, develop that close relationship with God and everything inferior is going to, so I would ask you, do you really have a close relationship with God? It's really hard to make this just having Jesus as some intellectual idea. Faith is not an intellectual idea. It's a lifestyle of surrender to him that produces righteousness. So that's my yeah, that's fantastic, Charles. Just with you, while you were speaking, with the Holy Spirit uh, was was guys. Here's here's something that we have to understand. And as we grow to maturity, as we continue to grow more and more mature, uh, we the Holy Spirit is going to continue to separate thinking that opposes His kingdom, His truth, His nature, who right. He is, and who we are, and. Um, guys, here's one of the things that we have to understand. When Charles is talking about, he doesn't, he, he longs not to sin, not to, to check off this punch list, but because he does not want anything to hinder him from right. intimacy. Here's right. something I want to encourage you guys with. Many of us experience the counterfeit in the body of Christ to intimacy. And let me explain. Right. We, we feel in our, not our spirit man, let me back up. Guys, to the degree that we do not understand Colossians 1.21, uh, Ephesians 1.4, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Hebrews 10.10, 10, that we are accepted, blameless, holy, sanctified, righteous, and deeply loved in the eyes of our Father. Right. And that the blood of Jesus Christ is what grants us the access to experience his love for us. If, to the degree, right. guys, that we don't understand or accept that, what will happen is we will use our own feck list 
to make right. us feel a counterfeit form of intimacy. That's we good. will relate That's... our ability to, to be a quote-unquote good Christian, and we will measure how good of a Christian we are by how much we did or didn't swear that day, how much we did or didn't have any works or actions of the flesh. We will, we will not realize that Jesus spoke to and condemned the Pharisees and said, you've got to clean the inside. Let me get on the inside, and the Man. outside will naturally be the outflow. So, right. guys, a lot of times we have to look. when We, we need to step back. The Holy Spirit is, is inviting this generation and this time here in the United States to step back and examine what is true intimacy. It is not how well we can become or perform by self-control. And so what happens is, is that when, when, when Charles is, is talking about we don't, we don't attempt not to sin, um, to, to punch off a checklist, we want to create intimacy. For many of us guys, when we begin the transition of saying, okay, I'm not going to focus on my sin. I'm just going to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to focus on the Father's love. I'm going to spend time in his presence. When that happens and we don't focus on our sin, what's right. going to happen is we're going to experience a loss of intimacy because we have misunderstood what intimacy is. Spiritual intimacy is gained with time and proximity to the throne room where our spirits right. abide intimately with him. If we are looking at how well we perform and then we stop doing that, we're actually going to feel as if we've been separated from God. We're going to feel, well, I don't understand. Everything was fine in my life, and now he feels so distant and far away from me. I don't understand it. Now I'm seeking him. Guys, that's the process. That is the process of transforming the dead thinking and to accept the reality that you're already fully loved and pleasing. So as Charles is speaking and is saying that it's intimacy, it's spending time with him that helps deliver us from our shortcomings. For those of you that are afraid to do that because you think that actually you'll, in the past it's done just the opposite, it's because that's a counterfeit form of intimacy. It's based upon self-righteousness. It's a Pharisee spirit. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. So, so, sorry, go ahead, Charles. No, that's really good. I definitely agree. I absolutely agree with that, you know, that in that close relationship with God, good is naturally going to come forth from us. The good that I think, like Paul's even talking about, the good that we really want to do, and we try to do it, we try to achieve it, like you said, with self-righteousness and apart from that close relationship with God, will actually come as a byproduct of the nearness with the Father. So everything Amen. good, you know, the good works. It's not something, oh, I feel like I have to go pray for this sick person. It's like, man, God himself is living inside of me, and I can't help but let him out. I can't help Amen. but let God extend his grace through me because I see this person who's dying. I see this person at Walmart who's depressed. I see this lady who's walking with a walker. I see this man, and I have to reach inside of me, and I cannot keep quiet. And that is what the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is doing. It's setting us free. From like what you said, that that self-righteousness. So I want to continue in um, Romans chapter 8, verse 3, and then it's going to all wrap together, talking about the renewing of our minds, the transformation of life. But I think it's important that we don't skip over that Jesus Christ is the one who liberated us from this law of sin and death. So we go, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. Now, when Paul says the law in this verse, he's not talking about the law 
of sin and death. He's talking about the law of God. How do we know that? Well, because anytime Paul talks about the law of God, he uses the terms the law. Never once when he's relating to the law of sin and death does he use terms like, I find, he uses terms like, I find then a law or I see another law. So it's important to emphasize that, that now he, he's talking about the law of God, the law of Moses, all right? So in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, all right, what could the law not do? It could not deliver us from our sinfulness. All right, the law was not able. All the law could do was point out the extent, you know, point out our sinfulness and offer us something better. Offer us righteousness and show us that, you know, we must honor our father and mother. We must, but the truth is, we still weren't empowered to carry that out. There's still a lack of empowerment in the law of Moses. So, so the law could not, in that it was weak through the flesh, not that the law itself was weak. The law itself is good, and Paul talks about that in Romans. But he's saying it's through the weakness of our flesh. So listen, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, couldn't deliver us from the sin, God did by sending his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh. All right, so Christ himself, his body, is slave sin. Mm. Slave to sin. He has a flesh that is slave to sin. However, he exemplified the perfect life because God said himself, I am not going to allow my, I don't want my creation to live in continual separation from me. I have to have this intimacy with them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in form of the flesh and I'm going to take their place. And listen, let's keep reading. In the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, New American Standard Bible Version says, as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh. He deprived it. He broke its deadly sway. That's what it actually, when you read the strong um, New Testament translation in, in the original Greek, okay, the complete Jewish Bible, executed the punishment against sin in human nature. So we know that he looked sin in the face and he said, you are not going to hold my people back anymore. And this shows his radical love for his creation, that he did not look at us and say, I'm going to wipe them out. But he said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to change this system. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to become one of them. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he became sin. First Peter chapter two, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might no longer live for sin, so that we might no longer live for sin, but so that we could live for righteousness, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you've been healed. So God came and he took our place in this. He condemned sin in the flesh on account of sin as a perfect spotless sin offering the perfect lamb of God that far surpassed any sacrifice we can make before in the old covenant so we could sacrifice the sheep the lamb the thank offering the wave offering whatever it is that only covered our sins temporarily until we sinned again but christ said it's covered once and for all the case is closed but why did he do this why did he pay such a high price he did not pay this price so that we could continue to live in sin all right listen it says in verse four why did he do all this that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us why? Because we do not, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we are not living in a new old covenant. Some people of the Holy Spirit out of it now forming a new old covenant by taking these beautiful laws and regulations. Because does not Christ raise the standard of righteousness? 
He says, this is what the law says, and I'm raising it. So he takes it to a higher standard. But why does he take it to a higher standard? Because now we are living in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When God of all creation says, I'm coming to live inside of you, and I'm empowering you to do what you could not do apart from a close relationship with me, because I took the place of sin. Now, sin is not an excuse for you to continue in the flesh, but now you are walking according to the spirit, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And this is so beautiful. I don't want to live on a level less than that close relationship with God because now his spirit, and we've got to understand that the spirit of God is not like some weird addition to the Trinity. The spirit of God is God himself living inside of his people, breathing and moving. So we go to verse five. For those who live according to the flesh, this is how we know for living according to the flesh. They set their minds on things of the flesh, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Okay, so what we think about determines where we go with our lives. So where we go with our thoughts determines where we go with our lives. And why is it that we're going to want to think about Christ? Because he's living and we're going to want to set our minds on him because he's literally inside of us. This doesn't mean it's going to be a perfect scorecard, okay? Thank God it's not a perfect scorecard. I always have to think about. Now, with that said, I still don't give, my, my, I don't give myself the option to think about anything else. I don't give myself the option. I don't say to myself, you're allowed to think that way, Charles. No, because I'm in Christ Jesus, I now live a life with no options except for to serve Christ with all of my heart. So those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. So this goes all the way back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, like we were talking about, that transformation of life takes place through the renewing of our minds. Okay, so let's keep reading. But those who live, okay. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace life and peace sounds like transformation to me the wonder of christ living inside of us that sounds good life and peace that's talking about the transformation it's not just our mind we're not just trying to think happy thoughts but it's god is inside of us so his dna the perfection of who he is inhabits who we are so that we're thinking about him so our minds are now prepared for action now because our minds are set on him so another thing i want to take note of before i go any further is that um paul back in romans chapter 7 verse 25 he does say with the flesh he serves the law of sin but we also have to take note that he says with the mind i myself serve the law of god okay so he put his mind in submission to the law of god like i talked about at the beginning is the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus or interchangeable terms He put his mind in submission to the law of God. So I believe before we can have this beautiful settlement of our minds on the things of the spirit, we must first submit our minds to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, because that's what he's saying. I did this. I'm liberated from the law of sin and death. I'm setting my mind on. And now the law of sin and death is not warring against my mind. It's been delivered from that. Now we don't have that constant condemnation. It's not like we're living in this state of condemnation because we've been delivered from the law of sin and death, which ultimately established that condemnation. But now our minds are in submission to the law of God. And this goes into verse 7 of Romans chapter 8. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So when, when Paul's talking about the carnal mind, he's talking about a mind that is not subject to the law of God. So before we can really experience that settlement of our minds, we have to submit our minds, meaning we just put our, I mean, 
so many times we could take the Bible and make it something that it's not. But the truth is, I believe setting our minds comes from saying yes, and I do, to a close relationship with God. Saying yes to him, because I believe that's what he's called us all to. So let's keep reading. So to, so the carnal mind, and also I want to point this out, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Some people could read that and say, well, does this mean that if I'm thinking carnally, then I can never put my mind into the law of God? No, not at all. Paul's talking about the carnal mind in its current state. In its current state, the carnal mind cannot absolutely not, you cannot submit to the law of God. You're not living according to the spirit. So you must have a resettlement of your mind. But before that resettlement, there must be the submission of your mind. So then, verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. How do we know if we're in the flesh? And here's the thing. The reason why those who are in the flesh cannot please God is because our flesh, like we talked about at the very beginning of this, our flesh is serving. Our flesh is a slave to the law of sin. So if we are in the flesh and we're literally all the way back to the beginning of this podcast in the law of sin and death, we're living in that that prison cell that brought that came with literally like we're saying to Christ, you didn't pay a high enough price on that cross. Get back up on that cross. Bleed for me once more, Yahweh. When Christ is saying, Listen, I paid the highest price now that so that you could come close to me. Alright, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse nine. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You are living in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So that, that verse can often trip people up, but I think a, a big indicator that the spirit of God is in us is like Paul was talking about. What do we set our minds on? That determines who are we living according, who are we living for. It's what we set our minds on, and obviously the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, and this is going to become a natural overflow, not that we've reached perfection in it, but that there is a noticeable difference when I say yes to God. It's not that I just get a free ticket to heaven and I live how I want to, because that isn't salvation. Salvation comes to those who are in the position of faith, because it's by grace, through faith that we are saved. Grace is not a cover-up so much as it is an empowerment to overcome our sins. Obviously, we can't earn grace. We don't deserve it. But faith is the position to receive that beautiful gift of grace. Grace is the saving power. Our grace, it's not our grace, it's his grace that comes in with his power, saving us in the position of faith. Faith is us saying, God, I surrender everything to you. I understand that I absolutely cannot live without you. I say, I do to you, Father. This is no longer an engagement, but this is, this is no longer a proposal. This is now a close relationship. I am married to you, God. Is that, that, I guess we can put it like that. There's often, when you study scripture, there is a, you know, all throughout scripture, there's a bride and groom context in scripture. That's why God even goes, committing adultery against me, Israel, with the idols of this culture, when I'm calling you in to the throne room. So it's important that we understand that, that if the Spirit of God is living inside of us, we're not going to live according to the flesh. All right. And oftentimes people get scared when they hear this call because they never committed themselves to God in the first place. They get, they get scared when they hear about God living inside of them because everything they've done is outside of him. And it's important to note that God inside of us, listen to this, 
God himself living inside of us robs us of every excuse to live outside of him. If God himself is not living inside of us, then obviously we will continue to live in the sin. However, when God says, all right, you said I do, I'm coming to live in you, there's absolutely no excuse to live outside. So let's continue in this. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So I think the beautiful conclusion of this transformation to the renewing of our minds takes place in Romans chapter 8, verse 10 and verse 11. And this is where I want to conclude. I know time's running out, but and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Okay, hold up. So the body is dead because of sin, like we talked about. That doesn't change. It doesn't change that our body is dead because of sin and that the flesh, that, that our flesh is, that's not until the final day to the resurrection of our bodies, receiving the new bodies that, like David was talking about. That doesn't change. However, what does change is this, listen, but the spirit is the life. We're talking about a transformed life because of righteousness. So now because we are in Christ Jesus, we are living for righteousness. We are made righteous through what? Through faith in God. We are not made righteous through all of our good works. Good works are an overflow because our faith is in God and he gives us the grace and through the power of his spirit, we become more like him. The spirit is life because of righteousness, because of our righteousness in him because of our right standing with him. And obviously you can put it either way it's because of our righteousness in him, but because of the righteousness in God, who took our place But the spirit of life is because of righteousness. Our faith in God is what makes us righteous before him. And that's in um, Romans chapter five, I believe Romans chapter five, verse one, therefore we have been justified by faith. All right. So we're made right with God because of our faith. All right. So it's beautiful. This life, God himself saying, I don't want my people to live without me. I've come to make my home with them. I've come to dwell inside of them, and I've come places. This place, I want them to come with me. All right, so verse 11, and this is the grand conclusion, the beautiful transformation. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if this is true, if we're setting our minds on, if he lives in us, the truth is we can't even set our minds on things of the spirit if he doesn't live in us. All right, but if he if he dwells in us, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So though our bodies are dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of our righteousness in him. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. His body, our body, is now spirit, and his spirit lives inside of us and this is the beauty of transformation it affects every area and aspect of our lives we begin to think differently talk differently not because we could do it on our own strength not because we can manufacture this empowerment but because God says I don't want my people to live at a distance anymore because God himself says I'm going to give them life I'm going to quicken their mortal bodies and my spirit is going to live I'm going to give them life And I'm going to come inside of them. And now because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, we can come all the way back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And the grand conclusion, that you may prove what, because we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, because our mind is in submission, what may we prove now? We may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
because now we are in the position to exemplify it. And I think proving, testing, there's different translations for that word. But ultimately, we will know it and other people will know it, that the will of God. Listen, this is for the nations of the earth. This is for the people. This is why it is critical for us to experience transformation. If we do not experience this transformation, the world is eschen and see that we are like them in every way. All right, so profession without devotion does not result in salvation. However, when we profess with our mouths, when we confess with our mouths, we believe in our heart, believe, faith. So if we really put our faith, we're going to experience this transformation. And this is for the people who do not know Christ. This is for that lady on the streets who is dying because of her sin. This is for that man at Walmart. This is for the people on the other side of the world because we are ambassadors of Christ. We must experience this transformation or the world will never know the difference between us and them. And this transformation is only by the power of God himself living inside of us that we may prove that God is good, that his will is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. The world will know when we know. When we say to God, I want you more than I want, well, I want you more than I want my Xbox. I want you more than I want this pornography. I want you more than I want anything less than the fullness of who you are. I'm willing to give up the inferior to enter into the real definition of rest that you prepared for me since the beginning of the garden. When you formed me from the dust of the earth, when you breathed your life into my nostrils and you said, I want my creation to love me. I want my creation to know me. And when we really know him and when we're really walking in this transformation, we will be able to prove. We will be able to reflect this good and perfect will of God. We will become a reflection of who we identify ourselves with because we are no longer bound by the law of sin and death, but we are alive in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Charles, what a powerful, powerful message. And um, one of the things that rings so clearly uh, in your words tonight is the invitation that I hear uh, Father's heart offering through you. And so I just praise God for the different gifts and the different members in the body of Christ. And uh, it's impossible for you to speak or read without pointing to the throne room. And it's one of the things that I'm really blessed uh, by how God has formed you. And Charles, so we covered a lot here. We talked about renewing our minds. We talked about transformation and that transformation. What one of the things it really looks like is that we will, we will be abiding in love, in life, right. in rest. Right. So right. for those that, that are, that are, that are out there, many of them um, are going to be asking how, how do we actually apply this? How do we apply the transformation of our mind? Right. Cause many of us have desire already. Many want more of God. We just, we, we have lost the roadmap of how to get there. And where we lose the roadmap, we begin picking up substitutes. We will overly emphasize the times we're in. We will begin to look at signs and wonders. We will begin to start counting the days to his return. Anything to fill the ache that's in our heart. So if, if, I, if we can condense this down, Charles, how, what would you encourage the body of Christ in how to begin applying the process of transforming and renewing their thinking, their minds? Right, definitely. And I think it all starts in saying yes to God every day. Maybe it only starts with like five minutes in the Word of God. I know that's where I started was just saying, you know what, God, I want to start. I don't know how to start, but I know what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the Bible. 
and maybe it seems almost like a tradition to me right now, like it feels kind of like an obligation, but I know that as I seek you and as I practice this, that it's going to become a part of who I am, and it's going to be, and that's really what happened. You know, as I, I started to get in the Word of God, and I started, and it was real. Maybe it only started like 10 to 15 minutes, and here's the thing. Time is not a factor. Listen, God is not looking about how much time we spend with him. He's looking to see if our heart is really his. And how do we know if our heart is really his? Well, that's a whole nother message, and I would love to preach that. But just talking about where your treasure is, like Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So you're going to know where your heart is by what you give your time to. So maybe we just start taking, maybe it's just, it's like a short, I had one person tell me one time, it almost starts like a short workout. Like you're just working out those muscles and it's in this place that you begin to take that first step. It's almost like, you know, a man and a woman when they're just married. It's like, you know, we don't know how to do all this, but we're going to take it and we're going to do this right. We're going to start slow and we're going to learn our way. So it's a progression. And I think it starts just saying, you know what, God, I'm going to give you some time in the word of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, and you know, I'm not going to try to go pray for five hours because I'm not, my spirit man isn't even built up for that. You know, I can honestly say now, that, you know, time, I don't care. I could wake up in the morning and I could go for hours because I don't even look at the clock. You know, half the time I don't ever look at the clock because that's, that's really not what matters to me. What matters is that God himself is in this place. So I think that's where the transformation starts, you know, like putting our faith in God. Putting our faith in God is going to result in that relationship. And like, like David said, we don't want to settle for something, some inferior definition of intimacy because that is absolutely dangerous. So, he, also, with that said, you don't want to overlook the wonder, just the basics of getting in the Word of God and just taking time to pray and just praying specifically about even this passage. God, help me to set my mind. It's always like that's why His Spirit's in us, not so that we could get this on our own, but so that He could help us. So I can pray, God, please help me set my mind on the things of the Spirit, not on the things of the flesh, and you will begin to see the fruit of it if you ask it in faith. He'll give you the grace, and you'll begin to see the fruit of it. Because the Spirit's in you, and He's helping you. It's a daily progress. It's, a, it's something that we're we're continuing in. And like I said, you don't want to make it some ritual. Like oh, I gotta pray. No, like if you really want God, you're gonna want to. You're gonna want to. And maybe it doesn't start off like that, but eventually, the passion, the zeal for His house is gonna come, and uh, He'll put that in you because He sees you're willing to step out in faith, and He gives you more grace. Man, that's that's well said, Charles. That uh, that just makes me want to end the broadcast and just get back into my prayer closet. It's just fantastic. And, and guys, just you know, everything. One of the things about fellowship and about teaching and about getting into the Word is is you, we can't cover um, just pragmatically. We can't cover everything in balance at once. And right. so please understand, right, right, Charles, and we talked about this. And when, so when Charles is talking about spending time with the Lord, guys, here's something that is absolutely crucial. We're not spending time with him so that he will love us more. Right. We're spending time with him to begin to tap into the reality, to begin yeah. to allow our thinking to be conformed by the spiritual communion that changes our thinking. If we attempt to spend time with the Lord so that we think we can get from God love, it's, it's always going to lead to a form of self-righteousness and condemnation. Amen. 
Amen. So as we're devoting time, as we're practicing Galatians 6, 8, as we are sowing to the spirit, it's to tap into the reality of what is inside of you guys, the kingdom of God and his love. And as we get, as we begin to tap into um, the reality, the experientialness, the, is that a word? The experience, as we begin to experience the reality of his love, the goodness of God compels us to change. Mm-hmm. A revelation of his goodness. And so uh, if I can just, you know, piggyback on what Charles is saying, guys, uh, as, as you're spending time with him, ask him to continue to give you revelation, greater revelation right. of his love for you. Because when we get a taste of those things, you, you'll never look back. You'll never look back. Right. It's not about performing. Amen. So, um, that's, that's the truth. Charles, it's what like a we're blessing. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that one last thing, that it's almost as if it is really what we're doing. We're submitting to the love of God for us. Like he's radically mm. in pursuit of us, turning around and saying, okay, I see you, God. Let's do this together. <laughs> Amen. Know? That is so well said. That's great. Charles, uh, this hour just flew by. We have to get you back on here again soon and talk about some more things. Uh, thank yeah, you so absolutely. much for this. And, and, and body of Christ, guys, for those of you that, that want to um, pick up on more of Charles's teachings, his, his website is theofficialchuck.wordpress.com. And um, the stuff that Charles writes about there and he shares uh, is our major blessing. I have, I always leave that website edified and built up and with a clear sense of how to access the things of the kingdom. So, Charles, I want to thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness in the body of Christ and just for your zeal for his love and to share and serve the body of Christ. It's a true, true treasure and a blessing in this hour. So, well, we got to have you back on here again soon. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity and for being such an encouragement and a blessing in my life also. Uh, praise God. And we all need your world. You know, and one of the things I say again and again, we're all in this together, Charles. So thank you. I appreciate those words and the sincerity and, and thank you. Dorothy, anything yes, before we, uh, before we sign off here? Uh, no, uh, the only thing that comes to my mind is that, we're growing closer to him and we are transforming to me what I have found the old lady that I am is that he does the heavy lifting so you know sometimes you find yourself being transformed in areas that you weren't even trying to be transformed in it just happens right that makes sense yeah oh amen absolutely because the transformation doesn't take place in an area Transformation right. takes place in our spirit man breathing yeah. and releasing the life through the gateway to our soul. And so as yeah. our soul changes, the way we process every interaction begins to, we begin to think, feel, see, perceive, and then respond the way Jesus would. So, so what you're saying, that's actually an excellent point, Dorothy. Uh, we don't have to focus on, well, I'm doing this here uh, where am I going to see the results of it? It affects how we process and interact with everything around us. That's that's great, Dorothy. 
Dorothy, I'm so glad. I'm, I'm so glad that that you that you share and you hold back less and less because there's so much insight the Lord gives you, and so I want to thank you for that. I've also noticed that in the past year, you've gotten very quick at unmuting your mic. You're getting really fast. <laughs> we went from. Like I think I'm anticipating the question. <laughs> I guess you got me trained. That's good. Well, you guys, thank you for joining us tonight. We'll, we're going to meet again. Uh, it's not this coming up week, next week. And for all of you that, uh, that hold the season, just remember that uh, everything we're about with this is about intimacy for God's children, and it's about reconciliation back to the Father, those who are lost. So however you hold to this season, to this holiday, uh, please know you're loved, and please know that there are two things on Father's heart, intimacy with the church and reconciliation of the lost. So go ahead out and just, mm-hmm. just, just, just be Christ in you. Just relax and enjoy his love in and over you. And, Charles, you and I will catch up. Thank you once again, and we will see you again, uh, brothers and sisters, very shortly. You guys have a great night. Good night, Charles. Good night, Jordan. Good night. Good night. Father bless. Fear House. I'm David Murray and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We were hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurry.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your heavenly dad loves you deeply. Thank you.